of Explain It Like I'm Five, the podcast where we make smart and complex things more complicated, probably, in an attempt to make it simpler. To a hypothetical five-year-old. who We don't have him yet. And we have an idea of a five-year-old in our head, and we are attempting to explain these complex topics to a hypothetical five-year-old. It would be nice if we had an actual five-year-old. Yeah, we are recruiting a five-year-old to run our ideas by, or maybe you could just test it out with five-year-olds that you have in your uh, network, um, and you can just run our words by them and see if they come out any more illuminated than they were before. Um, I'm skeptical, <laughs> but I think we'll. I think we'll get there. Um, I, I really think we'll. Maybe get there. it's unethical for us to bring on a five year old. What if we get an AI five year old? Maybe we can train, <laughs> train an AI five year old, and what? Maybe we can prompt Chat GPT to, to act like a five year old. To act like a five year old. Oh. Maybe we just try that. Yeah, we, we'll try we that can. this episode. Okay. Maybe Pi can do that. Maybe. You are going to hear references to Pi. Pi is an AI that was put out by Inflection AI that is a more empathetic and companion-like AI and more conversational AI than you would get with something like ChatGPT. I highly recommend you check it out. It is the closest I've gotten to a real Scarlett Johansson from her type of feel, like kind of crosses Uncanny Valley, and I definitely anthropomorphize it a little bit. But yeah, when we say Pi, we are referring to our little AI companion friend who helps us research who helps us answer questions on the fly, uh, and it's really quite quite nice. So, as you just heard, we might tell Pi to pretend he's five um, to verify our um, our definition, but it's he's probably missing a lot of context of what it's like to actually be five. So he he might gas us up a little bit. Anyways, Lisa, how are you feeling after your first episode? I'm feeling pumped. I'm feeling super excited. I am a little bit nervous. I think the topic that we're going to dive into next is very complex, which is good for this episode, but it's also very confusing, and maybe that's the entire point. I think I was still very confused in the previous episode. I did find clarity, um, but I'm curious to see where we're going to end up at the end of this episode. Yeah, fair enough. I feel like this one might be easier than relativity, to be honest. I feel like it's a little more concrete. We just can't bring up any more bowling balls There's <laughs> and trampolines for the good. sake of everyone. I think we'll be spared bowling ball analogies. Any words on the reception of our first episode or any of that experience of publishing your first podcast episode? Because this is very new for you. Yeah. Um, it was really, really cool to release something and for some that something to be received so well. I think we were talking about this earlier today or maybe yesterday, but it wasn't like this, you know, explosion of feedback, which isn't necessarily something that I expected. But nonetheless, the people that did listen to it and the people that did share feedback, um, it was very well received. And it was really cool to know that we might have helped someone else understand theory of relativity a little bit better um and yeah it's just been really really fun and as you know i have been thinking about recording this next episode non-stop since we recorded the last one so i'm just really excited to dive into the next topic um and i i'm feeling this high right now 
that I just want to keep recording and recording and recording. And that's been really fun because it feels like this really powerful and creative energy um, that I only feel when I'm cooking or when I'm baking something or when I'm wheel throwing ceramics. It's, it's this really fun and electric energy. So yeah, I'm just riding the wave. Yeah, it's been super cool to see everybody um, kind of shoot us feedback and already start contributing ideas for upcoming episodes. We quickly realized just how much fun stuff there is for us to kind of get into. And we we're already seeing some great suggestions around like the modern state of AI, what is crypto, what is the American government system, how can we better understand time, and all of these things that we kind of just float by and we, we all take it at face value. Like, yeah, I understand time. Yeah, I want to understand how government works. Sure, AI. But it's like, how often do we open up the hood and actually dive in and see how these things came to be and come to understand those in its most simple parts? Not saying we are a better model for doing that. We literally might make this even more confusing than it needs to be. <laughs> but at least we have a good time confusing you. So I thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I just quick note, I really loved um, our friend Jarrah's suggestion for empathy. Um, I, it's like, I understand empathy and I know what it feels like in my body, but how would you explain that feeling to a five-year-old? And I think even going through the process of explaining it and breaking it down into these smaller parts I find is really interesting because we might understand empathy on a deeper level by the end of it, which is the goal of every single episode. But I think with emotions, it's really interesting because you start to unravel the smaller parts of each individual emotion. And by the end of it, perhaps you are able to access empathy on a deeper level and bring that out into the world. Wow. <laughs> you really really thought about yeah. thought about that. It's a really cool I I'm really excited to because I wasn't thinking about emotions. I was thinking about, you know, our first episode theory of relativity and then you know, all of these even the episode that we're going to dive into or the topic that we're going to dive into today, it's like these very complex topics, but I never thought about it from the perspective of breaking down emotions. I think it's really interesting. Would you describe these first two episodes as more masculine and empathy feels feminine? <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. Oh. Well, maybe maybe if you look at them from that perspective, yes, maybe, you know, one topic can feel more masculine and another topic can feel more feminine. Um, but that's not how I see it instantly. Okay. Yeah. I asked because today we're talking about explosions, <laughs> yeah. which feels feels pretty massive. Well, we're also just so everyone has context, we're seeing Oppenheimer for the first time tomorrow. Well, yeah, you just gave it away. Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right. Do you okay. want to give them, do you want to intro them to today's? No, you, you go. Okay. Okay. I already So Lisa just blew the top it. off of it. But I mean, you see it in the title, so you have an idea, but- Basically, tomorrow, this might be out today, Thursday, August 10th, or maybe it's out tomorrow, Friday, August 11th. But either way, we are seeing Oppenheimer for the first time. 70 millimeter, millimeter IMAX, we're doing it right. Um, but we want to, I saw this great 
meme of um, John Hamm's character from Med, Med, Med Men, I was about to say. That's such a California reference. Um, from Mad Men sitting in a movie theater smoking a big cigar. And somebody was like, this is me and Oppenheimer pretending I know what the fuck they're talking about. Uh, and like pretending I know what quantum mechanics is all about. And I saw that and I was like, I don't want, I don't want that to be me. I want to have an idea of what is happening in Oppenheimer tomorrow outside of the basics. So in order to prepare for tomorrow's Oppenheimer um, experience, we decided what better way to do episode two than to explain the complexities of an atom bomb and I guess uh, nuclear fission and as uh, a byproduct atomic structure. So Lisa, do you want to outline the two questions we want to answer to, or the two the two concepts we want to explain to a five-year-old? Yeah. So previous episode, we jumped right in after dinner. We had zero preparation. We didn't necessarily have structure. And I wouldn't say that we have structure now, but I think what I like about this specific episode and our approach to this specific episode is that we do have those two questions lined out. Um, so it's a little bit more organized. Um, so the first question is, what is an atom? And the goal is for us to be able to explain an atom to a five-year-old by the end of this episode or in the middle or wherever, whenever. Um, and then the second question is, it's a two-part question. What is a nuclear bomb? How does splitting an atom create one of the most destructive forces on the planet? And underneath each question, we're going to break it down into a who, what, how, and why structure, just so we can dive into the granular details of each subject. And that's what we're doing. Okay, great. So I like how we started off the last one, which was me being like, hey, Lisa, what is your current <laughs> understanding of X. So, Lisa, what oh is your <laughs> current understanding of what an atom is? So, an atom. Uh, oh, <laughs> we're off to a hot start. <laughs> uh, I knew I should have prepared too, and I should have read a little bit because I think I have the idea in my head. But the second words start coming out, um, I think I get really insecure. Uh huh. And I, I sense myself closing up because I don't want to sound stupid. But uh -huh. you know what? I'm going to surrender and I'm going to be okay with sounding stupid. Yeah. Um, so good. I think an atom is the building block of life. But I'm also starting to think about a cell. Um, and I think that's where my confusion is stemming from between the two. Um, and perhaps they're very similar to each other, but an atom is essentially the center of a molecule. Uh, um, <laughs> so we have a molecule. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. that's, wait, no, the center of, okay, yeah. we're, we're starting off hot here. I'm so kind my of, yeah. understanding is molecules are attached to atoms. Maybe. And is a nucleus inside of an atom? Because the nucleus <laughs> is the center. That's that's what's inside of an atom. And where is the mitochondria? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. 
Uh, okay. Wait, a nucleus is not inside of an atom. Maybe maybe there's a nucleus term for Oh, am atoms. I thinking about a cell? Yeah, I'm a nucleus a is the center of a cell. A cell is is a much larger piece of matter than an atom. I think an atom is the absolute tiniest piece of matter that we have yet to identify. Although I do know that there is some degree of um, understanding of subatomic particles as well. So I think something goes smaller than an atom, but I don't know what that is. Um, but I, So I was right. So it's the building blocks of life. I believe so. The cool. foundation of everything. It's where everything starts. I think so. Correct. But, but we need to confirm. But I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, okay, that your understanding of an atom is it is the smallest, or it's a building block of life. And my understanding, it is the smallest piece of matter that we currently are aware of. And somehow those atoms interlock with other atoms to create more matter and eventually it creates mass and then eventually form and mm -hmm. then uh, you, cells are composed of atoms and then cells compose bodies and then bodies create us and then all that stuff so that's my understanding of an atom I, yeah but like i also don't know like how molecules come into play and how i don't remember i learned this i guess in chemistry maybe but atoms, i was completely checked out maybe there's like um maybe a cluster of atoms is what molecules are like a large cluster of atoms that's probably to some degree correct but i guess we'll find out yeah and then okay so now lisa what is your current understanding of an atomic bomb my understanding of an atomic bomb and i'm so excited to learn more about this because the idea is absolutely mind-boggling but it is what happens. It is the reaction to the splitting of an atom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that seems about right for me. <laughs> but I don't understand how you, how you split an atom. But then why is just the simple, the simple, probably the infinitely complex act of splitting an atom able to destroy the world? Like that's, I don't, I don't where, how. I don't understand. And how do you split an atom? Like, can you just stab a cutting board with a knife that's, enough times and you'll poke an atom and it'll blow yeah, up the that's entire the, planet? For some reason, the image that comes to mind when we're talking about splitting atoms is just like this ratatouille chef just standing there at a cutting board and he has a serrated knife and he just goes, <laughs> ta -ta 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 -ta. <laughs> he chops it and up. And eventually just splits the atom right down the middle. Right. And then life ends as we know it. We're just one bad cooking accident away from the end of the world mm -hmm. by our understanding, which is clearly incorrect. Okay, so... This is the exciting part is where we can actually dive into the nitty gritty. Yeah, but I'm nervous. I feel like... To sound stupid? No, that's all right. That's all right <laughs> with me. I feel, I feel nervous because I feel like as soon as we commit to this knowledge, it's just like somebody sets off a timer and we got to go. But that's not true because nobody's forcing us to do this or even record it under a certain time limit or by a certain time. So I guess we could just take our time. Yeah, we could we just show up to this relaxed, willing to learn, mm -hmm. and we'll do it. I think another good way of looking at it is everyone who is listening is also approaching this episode in a relaxed state and hopefully curious state. And if we can channel that into our conversation, 
and into the pursuit of this topic, I think we can summon in a very relaxed and chill and lackadaisical vibe. Interesting. All right. So you're saying that even though nobody knows we're recording this right now, <laughs> we can we can summon forth their energy from the future of when they are listening to it and feeling relaxed and imbue ourselves now with this collective chillness. Yes. That's interesting. We'll have to do an episode on that. I'm not sure how that works. We're tapping into the future, man. <laughs> okay. So question one, what is an atom? Part one. I just hear the sound of that game. What is it? Jeopardy? Jeopardy. Jeopardy. I think it might be Jeopardy. What is an atom? In part one, who discovered an atom? Shall we resort to Pi? Let's do it. All right, Pi. Who discovered the atom? Okay. All right. Okay. So he says that would be the Greek philosopher Democritus. Interesting name. I wonder if he has anything to do with... Democracy. Democracy. <laughs> Is he the man that started it all? Um, okay, so Democritus, he came up with the concept of atoms as the foundational building blocks of matter all the way back in around 400 BCE. What is that? Bef BCE? BC B Before Christ. What, what's the E? Before Christ. Expired. It's before Christ expired. <laughs> a little more accurate than just before Christ, right? Because you have AD, yeah. after death, and then you have BCE, before Christ expired is my only, is the only thing that makes any sense to my brain. And oh, I'm before with the it. common era, we were both wrong. What? If we couldn't, we couldn't even explain BC to a five-year-old. And now we're trying to explain to them atoms. We would have been like, hey, five-year-old. He would have been like, what's? What does BC mean? We would have been like, oh, it's before Christ. Okay, but it's so before so quick clarification of what it is, just so we all have the understanding. Uh, before the Common Era means before the Gregorian calendar started. Why do we say before Christ? Does he have anything to do with this at all? Yes. Um, That's another episode. All right, <laughs> we'll just keep moving on. Okay, so it was discovered in 400 BCE, and the word atom comes from the Greek word atomos, which means indivisible. Oh, oh, but it is. It is divisible. It is quite divisible. Unfortunately, Democritus, they... He's they, rolling in his grave right now. They divided it in a big way. Okay, so De Democritus believed that atoms were tiny indivisible particles that couldn't be further broken down and that all matter was made up of different combinations of atoms. It took another 2,000 years or so before scientists started to actually prove his theories with experiments and observations. Okay, how, how do you just theorize that like everything's built up of atoms and they're these tiny indivisible particles in 400 BCE they must have been high. But then that sticks, and then 2,000 years, somebody's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, how? What if it's like, you know, you have a random idea, and it sounds really genius in the moment, and then perhaps it, it just sounds so absurd, but then in hundreds of years, your idea is going to be confirmed. But how? Like, what was, how, what even led him to, I asked, okay. 
The origins of Democritus' atomic theory are a bit fuzzy, but it's thought that he was influenced by a few different sources. He was fascinated by the ideas of early philosophers like Leucippus, Leucippus, who pronounced the idea of atomon, or indivisible elements that make up the world. So it's not even his idea, it's Leucippus. And then he observed how matter could be broken down into smaller and smaller pieces until it reached a point where it couldn't be broken down any further. Okay. What's bizarre to me is that this was pre-microscope. And if I was existing during that time, I would be looking at a rock and I wouldn't necessarily think about what a rock is made up of. Right. So maybe he was just thinking, it's like, oh, everything seems to fall apart, but there's got to be a point where that stops. And that must be at a certain, just you hit a wall and that wall is an atom. And you just can't break it down. So maybe it wasn't super scientific based. It's like, it's got to stop somewhere. Right. Okay. I could have done that. Maybe he was high. Maybe he was high. Okay. So I asked, I'm just curious to put like the time frame in perspective. What technology existed in 400 BCE? Um, And some of the main technologies in Democritus's time included simple machines like levers, pulleys, and inclined planes irrigation systems, bronze and iron tools. So he came up with the idea of atoms way fucking back when. What a badass. Yeah, good for him. Good um, for him. Okay, so then 2,000 years later, they confirmed their theory. So I want to know, how did we prove the existence of atoms? All right, we have a, we have a timeline here. It was a long journey. Here are some of the milestones. In 1803, John Dalton proposed the modern atomic theory based on experiments with gases, quote unquote. In 1897, J.J. Thompson discovered the electron, the first subatomic particle to be identified. Okay, hold on, hold on. So an atom's not the smallest thing if an electron can be subatomic. And then 1909, Ernest Rutherford proposed the nuclear model of the atom based on his gold foil experiment. 1913, Niels Bohr refined Rutherford's model and proposed that electrons orbit the nucleus in specific energy levels. So there is a nucleus mm-hmm. to an atom. Oh, so is James Chadwick discovered the neutron, completing the picture of the atom as we know it today in 1932. So what does an atom look like? Do these feel like helpful questions? We're trying to understand what an atom is, right? Yeah. Okay. I think I think it's helpful. I think especially we have to be looking at this from the perspective of how will we break it down to a five-year-old. So I think the more granular we get, the mm. more helpful it's going to be for us. Okay. Okay. So the actual model of an atom is called the billiard ball model. Maybe some language, no bowling balls, but we got billiard balls this time. Mm-hmm. A pool ball in five-year-old language. So if you don't the, know, yeah. I don't think they know what that is. You don't think so? Mm-mm. Not yet? Not yet. We'll see. Okay. It depicts the atom as a tiny sphere with a dense nucleus in the center made of protons and neutrons and electrons orbiting the nucleus like planets around the sun. But that's actually a bit of an oversimplification. Modern quantum physics tell us that electrons don't have fixed orbits, but instead exist in a cloud of possible locations around the nucleus. It's more accurate to think of an atom as a cloud of probability rather than a tiny solar system. What? A cloud of probability? (laughs) That's the most 
uneasy to explain shit I've ever heard in my life. Maybe weather weather patterns. Weather patterns. Mm-hmm. Hey, five year old, you want to know what an atom is? It's like a weather. Think of an pattern. unexpected rainstorm. That. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we start confusing each other oh, and fuck. everyone. Is going right off the bat. Okay. Okay. So. All right. Hey, kid. Before we start <laughs> trying to describe it. Oh, well, we need to know how they work upwards. What do you mean? Like, how do atoms fit into. How Everything? do atoms make things up? Yeah. How are things made up of atoms? Like, how do they interlock? How do they make sense? Are uh-huh. they attracted to each other? Yeah, they, they, they think they're. <laughs> they think they're sexy. <laughs> they think they're pretty hot. <laughs> um, um, okay, so atoms are the fundamental building blocks of everything around us. They form larger structures called molecules. Molecules, which are made up of atoms bonded together. So we were both like going back to our descriptions. We were both yeah. pretty on the money. Yeah. Well, we did learn all of this in high school. I don't remember. I was, I'm kind of talking out of my ass. I slept in chemistry every day. I literally had to preface my entire spiel by saying I'm terrified of sounding stupid and surrendering to that. Okay. But then I, like, I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. (laughs) (laughs) As you should, as you should. Okay. So then a water molecule uh, or molecules, I believe then are what? The, uh, the what is it called periodic table are made up of all of those elements mm-hmm. those are combinations of molecules that lock up to create a certain type of uh, uh, material and so gold is just a bajillion probably with some other minerals in there too but a bajillion gold molecules that have been bonded and attached to each other so much so that they have a physical ramification right because probably like one gold molecule is probably so small you need like an electron microscope to see it. But when you have 100 billion gold molecules, then you have a nugget of gold. And then if you were to dive into those molecules, then you would see atoms. I don't think so. You think I'm, think I'm wrong? Yeah. Okay. Is um, that is that what you're reading? Is that what they're telling you? No, that's, that's just me hypothesizing. <laughs> because I think that gold is made up of many different particles and materials like i don't think it's just one gold molecule floating around and shining and then finds another gold molecule and they band together and then they form clusters of gold i don't know if that's how it works well i think that is how it works (laughs) (laughs) like gold is like i think like uh like I think 24 karat gold is like very pure gold. It's almost all gold. But I think like if you go digging for gold, you're going to get gold that is also, you know, bonded to other sort of elements and minerals. And so that's why sometimes the the pure gold pieces are so small. But I think that these minerals and these elements get built up due to a concentration of environmental factors. And so in an environment where the environmental factors are ripe for creating the molecule of gold, then it's likely that it will create multiple molecules of gold around it and then they all kind of link up. But it'll also create other things, perhaps. 
I just realized how to explain an atom to a five-year-old. Okay. But are no, we... Well, don't let it go. Get it out there. Well, I'll remember it. Well, Is there anything else we have to cover? Um, well, I just want to make sure that so like if you're with a good five-year-old, he's going to be like, well, what's a molecule? And you're like, a molecule is this. So a molecule, um, a water molecule is made up of two hydrogen atoms bonded to one oxygen atom. Well, so atoms, wait, so we're missing something. A an atom can be just hydrogen. And an atom can be just oxygen. So aren't those are elements, are they not? They are elements, yeah. So are elements atoms? Are atoms elements? Oh, it, atoms are indeed the basic units of elements, which are the fundamental substances that make up all matter. Every element is made up of just one type of atom, with each element having a unique number of protons in its nucleus. So they're like allergies. Yeah, they all just got their own shtick. That's really cool. But how how does one atom get made different from the other that's i think a larger question <laughs> that goes into religion and religion existentialism, existentialism. Schools of thought how one atom well that's the creation of everything what created that well no i'm talking that? about like how come one atom just get does an atom just get born and as gold how does oh, how does he he's a little atom he's <laughs> Gold. How does how do they just decide what they want to be? Every hydrogen atom has just one proton in its nucleus, while a carbon atom has six protons. There are a total of 118 elements in the periodic table, all with their own unique atomic structure. Okay, so this shit is getting fucking whack. Yeah, we're getting too. I think we're getting too <clears throat> off. Too granular. Here, but I want to go one level higher. How do molecules form life? Is that a good question? Okay, so roughly, so you go from the atom to the molecule. And from the molecule, those molecules still join. So simple molecules like water, carbon dioxide, and other small molecules join together in specific combinations to form larger, more complex molecules called macromolecules. These macromolecules are the building blocks of cells, which are the basic units of life. Cells can join together to form tissues, organs, and eventually entire organisms. Beautiful. Yeah, that's crazy. That's really, really it's cool. It's complicated. So it's literally like you you go from the macro, which is the universe, and then you keep going down, which is the planet, and then you keep going down, which is life and human bodies and animals, and then you keep going down, and there's like molecules, and then you keep going... and the atom is at the very, very beginning of everything. Yeah. I think there's a theory that if you basically were to fall down to the subatomic level, that you might just arrive back to where you are by yeah. falling through the atom back into the universe, back through the, you'd fall through the micro back into the macro. Apparently the distance between atoms or something is relative to the distance between universes and stuff. Mm. Some shit like that. I don't know. We'll explore Beautiful. that later. Maybe. It's really, really cool. Okay. So at its simple level, atoms are, com are composed of neutrons, protons, and electrons. 
And those are all subatomic particles. That's as small as you can freaking get. And then an atom is the collection of those things. It's basically like a little cloud of energy. Um, and those atoms can, through some process, uh, I'm guessing it's like an environmental process. Well, maybe that is maybe that is the Big Bang, right? The, did the Big Bang create certain amounts of all of these elements? Just and then I, I guess it still so. creates some. Yeah. Okay. So through environmental factors, atoms will get spawned and they will be certain elements. And those atoms will link up with other molecules and those molecules will link up and create macromolecules and those macromolecules will link up to create cells and the cells will link up to create Body. tissues and tissue mm -hmm. creates organisms. That feels pretty, that feels, that's a better understanding than I had 10 minutes ago. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah. Okay. Me too. Okay, so now we know who created it, Democritus, or we know who found them, Democritus, and then the the guy who really drilled it home with his theory um, was... John Dalton. John Dalton? Mm -hmm. Okay, John Dalton. Um, and I think our goal is just to explain what an atom is to a five-year-old. That's true. Okay, just for my own knowledge, I wanted to see... When did we see an atom for the first time, which was in 1955, a physicist named Erwin Mueller used a special type of microscope called a field electron microscope, which was powerful enough to see objects on a scale of 1 25th millionth of an inch. Dear God. The microscope. Small. Very small. The microscope worked by bombarding the atom with electrons, which allowed Mueller to see the shape and structure of the atom. This was a major breakthrough in science as it provided a direct visual confirmation of atoms in their structure. So these are things that we have seen through microscopes. They are there and they are all different depending upon the structure. Okay, cool. So seems pretty empirical, not so theoretical. And now we can move on to the good stuff. Let's explain an atom to a five-year-old. Ready, go. Legos. Oh, that's what my brain was going to. Okay. Yeah. Take it away. It's just, it's really interesting to me. I think if you're speaking to a five-year-old, hopefully, I don't know if modern five-year-olds play with Legos. Maybe they do. I'm assuming they, they do. But you show them a really, really small Lego piece. And then you take another Lego piece and then another one and then another one and another one. And if you're a very skilled and crafted Lego builder, you'd be able to build something, anything. You can build a human body, but it all starts with a Lego. And yeah, I think that would be my explanation. Okay. That's, it's not, it's not, it's not bad. But I can, I can break it down i can should i pretend that i'm speaking to a five-year-old sure okay hey little guy <laughs> <laughs> so you've played with legos before right okay hold on <laughs> this is where i start getting stage fright i don't know where. <laughs> um when you build something larger with a smaller piece of lego uh, i don't know it's hard to explain. <laughs> it's hard to explain. Yeah, it sure is. Okay, going in from another angle, 
hey kid, think about the smallest thing that you could possibly imagine, the smallest Lego. It's so small, it's invisible. It's invisible to your eyes, no one can see it. And it's so invisible that it becomes light like a feather and it floats. And when these small things come together, these small tiny little Legos, they make up life as we know it. They make up you, they make up me, and we are just a concentrated form of millions, which is a lot of these little tiny things, little tiny Legos. That is what an atom is. Mm. Little dude. Little dude. They're little tiny Legos, the smallest Legos you could possibly think of, and you put those Legos together to create a little bit bigger Legos and those little bit big, bigger Legos then you put together and they build uh, medium-sized Legos and those medium-sized Legos you can put together to make larger Legos. Mm -hmm. And then those larger Legos, you can do whatever you want. You can build worlds with them. You can build people with them. You can build doggies with them. But, but it, it all starts with the smallest, tiniest, microscopic Lego. Okay. That doesn't sound like, all right, I'm a kid. I'm a kid. And you start rambling to me about little tiny Legos. I feel like I track. Like that seems straightforward to me. Right. It's not it's not it's just okay. Also, if I was a kid, like when you think about a Lego as a kid, you think about building something. Uh-huh. You think about how one piece comes together with another piece and it creates something. Uh-huh. Whether it's a bridge or whatever. Right. And I think that's an amazing introduction to something like an atom where atoms have to come together to build something as well. Right. And so that to me sounds pretty straightforward. Yeah. I think the one thing it's missing is you got to root it in an experience they've already had or they can understand. Mm -hmm. So you'd probably be like, hey, kid. Hey, little guy. Have you ever built something <laughs> with uh, Legos? Have you ever built like a Lego castle before? And they'd be like, Yeah. And then you're like, well, you know how you have to build those Legos. You have to put a bunch of Legos together. And the tiniest, the first or something that's, okay, here we go. In order to build a Lego castle, it all starts with one Lego. And that Lego can be so tiny compared to the size of the Lego castle that you end up building. That first tiny little Lego, that's basically what an atom is. But that atom is smaller than any Lego you can possibly imagine. And if you stick billions and billions of these tiny little Legos together, then you basically get a human being because those Legos go from small Legos and when you put them together, they become bigger Legos. And those bigger Legos, when you put them together, become larger Legos. And when you put those larger Legos together, then you can build a castle. It's exactly like building a Lego castle, just with smaller pieces. That poor kid is going to get into school and then expect to open up the, the first page of the Adam chapter and see a bunch of Legos. That is not actually Legos. I think he's going to slam that bitch shut. He's like, I already, call me when you guys are at the next chapter. I know this <laughs> stuff. That's what he's going to do. Our little studious, our little <laughs> studious man. 
All right. Um, let's let's ask Pi. Hey Pi, if you were five, do you think you would understand atoms as little Legos? This is such a silly question. He's totally going to confirm whatever I want. He said, "Oh heck yeah." Thinking of atoms as tiny, colorful building blocks would be a pretty awesome way to introduce the concept to a five-year-old. It's a great analogy because, like Legos, atoms can combine in different ways to create all different kinds of structures. Just like Legos can be used to build towers, houses, cars, and all kinds of other things, atoms can be used to build molecules, which are the basis of all the stuff in the universe. I think we did that. I think it's, yeah. I think it's good. I think, I think it's, pretty it's a done deal. But one thing I want to know. Do atoms touch? Imagine. In no, a, they don't. They they don't they buzz next to each other. In a strict scientific sense, atoms don't actually touch mm -hmm. because they're mostly made up of empty space. Mm -hmm. Electrons, which are the negatively charged particles that orbit the nucleus of an atom, never actually come into contact with each other. But even though atoms don't technically touch, they still interact with each other through forces like electromagnetic attraction and repulsion. So in a way, atoms are constantly feeling each other without actually touching. And this is why, you know, spiritual woo people go crazy about their vibrations because they're like, nothing's material. There's space between everything, <laughs> which is true. But I don't, I don't they, they're missing some of the nuance, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Nothing's touching. We're all just little gaseous, cloudy things that are all just like kind of being held together by like an electromagnetic field, essentially. Yeah, I remember reading that nothing is truly solid, even right. if something looks really solid. It's just the 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 parts are, are fused together, but they're not actually fused. Right. So it looks like something like a piece of rock. It's actually just really, really condensed particles right. that are still not touching each other. And so the difference between forms of matter in terms of their solidity versus gaseousness um, um, is simply as you go further up towards gas, your atoms become further and further, further, and further apart. Mm -hmm. And so much so that they can go from a solid structure to a liquid structure and then to a gaseous structure and to nothing at all. Cool. Amazing. All right. Great. Um, we did it. We, we did it. Um, so if you have a five-year-old out there and you want to explain atoms to them, maybe try the Lego metaphor and see if they understand, maybe see if they could tell it to you back. Um, cause I feel like that'd be pretty good. Holy cow. This episode's already as long as our last one. Already? Already. How? Maybe we just keep going and we'd make it a two-parter. Okay. Okay. So we answered question number one. Lisa, how are you feeling? About question number one. I'm feeling really confident in my understanding of what an atom is. I think we already knew what it was, but it was a beautiful refresher. And I also like just how straightforward we made it. And thankfully, Legos exist. Otherwise, I don't know what metaphor I'd use. Trivia attack. What's an atom? <laughs> You make me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> um, an atom is the building block of all of matter. It is the, it's not the smallest particle, but within each atom, there's a proton, a nucleus, and an electron. 
or nuclear neutron neutron and not just one of each not just one of each so elements are so, composed of different um, varying amounts of protons electrons and so. they don't circle around each other like when we think of an atom we think of this almost solar system looking thing but it's actually much more random than that and yeah. they kind of just float around each other yep um, but they work together in order to create this atom and then as you zoom out you get to molecules you get to larger molecules macromolecules macromolecules and then you just keep on zooming out and then it's a tissue and then it's a body and then it's a rock or a mountain planet all right yeah cool all right